Well, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Glad to see you this morning. Um, we're excited. I'm starting a new series this morning called entitled Establishing Your Father's Love. And I'll talk more about that as we, in just a second. Uh, just one quick announcement this morning besides our Bible study tonight at 6 that we have. Uh, a better way to pray. And our Saturday night Bible study at 7.30 in Pasadena. Uh, Elios, our discipleship program. Our Bible classes. Uh, just a little update. We are looking at probably uh, launching, beginning the pre-launch of that this week. Uh, we're uh, just to let you know that we, we are have been working around the clock the last couple of weeks, but we're looking at putting the classes on our website and kind of making a correspondent option. There were uh, multiple people who have been interested, but they just can't make it here. And so we are looking at getting our classes on our website, and we're looking at launching that pretty soon. Um, there's already, if you go to our Bible classes page, there's a section on that page that you can go ahead and register. We're going to have everyone register, and there's a reason for that. We'll explain that more later if you are interested. So if you're watching online or you're interested in our Bible classes, they're free. There's no payment, but we are going to ask you to register so we know who is uh, and uh, who wants it, and we will make sure we're communicating with you. You can go at your own pace. Uh, like I said, all the classes will be on our website and are online, and so uh, but we have a way that we can still monitor and we can still be involved uh, with uh, uh, on the classes uh, until they're all pre-recorded. Uh, but anyway, um, so anyway, without further ado, we're just going to uh, make that announcement. And if you're interested, go ahead and register. And then uh, on our website, if you need directions or help, feel free to shoot us an email or a phone, or call us on the phone. Uh, all that information is on our website. Our website, just to be clear, is lighthousediscipleship.org. That's lighthousediscipleship.org. Okay? And uh, so... All the information is on our, our, our website, and we'll, we're, we're going to go from there. So uh, stay tuned for more announcements about that as we kind of launch this new aspect of our Bible classes. With that being said, because we haven't had a uh, very good attendance here, we are taking it off the calendar on Wednesdays and Thursdays here live. And so um, and there's, a re there's reasons for that. Uh, but this is kind of a new direction we're going for now. We'll probably bring the uh, uh, live sessions back, but we're just, we're just going to take a break from that for right now uh, for multiple reasons, but we're going to uh, go with the correspondence courses. Uh, okay, so hopefully that makes sense. If you have questions or are interested or whatever, anything along the lines, reach out to us by phone or email, and we will get back to you. So, okay, God bless with that, and with that, we're just going to go ahead and jump into our message this morning. Uh, this is part one, uh, being established in your Father's love. And I, I'm excited about this. I probably say that about every you know, series that we do. But I'm just excited when God puts something in my heart. And I just know that, that it's, it's time to, to share that and speak on that. Originally, I thought this would be a short, short series, and it still may be. Uh, but I keep giving some new insights and whatnot. Even this morning, I wasn't planning on going this direction this morning. Uh, even next week, so I already have next week's plan. And, uh, but I've just got just, in a sense, downloading some new aspects of this that I haven't seen before or 
connected the dots before in the way that I'm going to present it, present it today. So with that in mind, go ahead and turn with me if you will. Uh, actually, let me just say some things first and then I'll have you turn with me. But, uh, uh, okay, um, you can go ahead and start turning the Bibles though, to John, 1 John 3. Since I had, went ahead and said that, I want to uh, go ahead and go that direction. We'll be in 1 John 3 in just a minute. But let me say some things as you're turning. To the degree that we know His love. I titled this message on purpose being established in our Father's love. Yes, we're going to be talking about being uh, our Father's love, but the, the, the key too, I want us to be established in His love. To the degree that we know His love, to the degree that we're established in our Father's love, His love will affect every area of our lives. It will affect how we function, it will affect how we relate to one another, and it will reflect, it will, it will uh, ultimately uh, affect our own walk with God. And I'll probably have those in reverse order. It will affect our walk with God, it will affect our relationships with one another, including our spouse, our kids, our family, our friends, even our enemies. Every relationship that we have. And it will affect our how we just function in this world and how we function in life. In John 5.39, you don't need to turn there, but Jesus makes this statement to the Pharisees. He says, you study the scriptures, for they testify of me. You study, you search the scriptures for yourselves, but they testify of me. The scriptures give testimony to Jesus. Okay? And we know that faith comes from hearing God. Hearing the scriptures. Hearing the word of God. That's where faith is born. But faith, and we're going to be talking about faith as we're talking about love. Faith, what we're trusting in, what we have confidence in, works by love. Yes, the, te the scriptures give testimony to, and they, they, they testify who Jesus is. And Jesus is God, Jesus is love. They give testimony to him. And, and we need to have faith in God. We need to have faith in the word of God. But faith, our faith in God, our faith in the word of God, our faith in the nature of God, our faith in this Jesus that the scriptures testifies, it works by love. It, it, it's, it's, the, it's how the meal works. It's how the kingdom works. And faith works by love. And we're going to talk more about that as we go forward. In other words, you will become functional as a human being, as God has designed you to be functional, as you see and know and believe. God's love for you. Let me say that again. You will be functional as a human being. Your faith will function. Your faith will be effective. Will work as you know and as you believe God's love for you. We're going to spend a lot of time on that point right there. You, you, be, you begin to, when you understand, when you know and believe God's love, you, you begin to see everything and everyone different in the in the light of God's eyes and how God sees you. So uh, with that uh, in mind, you're 
probably First John chapter 3. Let me get there real quick. Third, First uh, John, chapter three, and we're going to be beginning with verse one. Okay, okay. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Explanation mark. I didn't say that in the right tense. Therefore, the world does not know us. Because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it hath not been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. There's a lot here I'm not going to focus on the latter part of this today, and I'll probably come back to some of this later on. But I just want to focus on ver uh, verse 1 today, at least the first part of it, that whole part where, uh, in the explanation, as, he ex as the writer John is exclaiming something. He, and, you know, when I see that explanation point, especially in Scripture, the writer, the author, the speaker, is wanting to make a profound point. He's, he, he's exclaiming, he's proclaiming what he wants us to know. He says, Behold, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. That's a lot in just that, uh, that phrase right there. Behold what manner of love the Father has. He's not going to. He already has bestowed on us. Just let me break this ver uh, verse apart a little bit. This word behold in the Greek means to <coughs> excuse me, take a long look at. To be, to be, held, to be held by something. In other words, it means to gaze, not just glance at. To we need to look, again, look, look hard at it. We need to, to think about what you're looking at. In other words, we need to focus our energy and our focus, and we need to take a long gaze and behold what manner of love our Father has already bestowed on us. We're not trying to earn it. We're not trying to merit it. We're not trying to deserve it. We are just trying to behold it. That make sense? Behold what manner of love. See, it's not just something you think you know. And we'll get into some other scriptures talk about the height and the depth and the width 
and the, the, the length of God's love. But we are to behold, we are to take time to meditate and to focus our energy and our thoughts on what manner of love our Father has bestowed on us. We are to be captivated by the kind, the manner of love our Father has bestowed upon us. See, we are to be captivated, we are to focus, we are to behold God's love in my life, to me, and also through me. We're going we're, we're to elaborate on some of that as we go forward. This phrase, what manner, in the Greek means from what country. That's a, that's a literal definition of that. What manner, what country. In other words, this love is foreign to the environment. I was listening to a message from Dwayne Sheriff this week along those lines. And he says, it's like a rose in the Antarctic. A rose doesn't belong naturally in the Antarctic. Can you just imagine in a, in a, in a, in a land where there's nothing but snow and ice? A rose growing up. It's foreign to the environment. It doesn't belong. And the natural question is, would be, how did it get here? How is it surviving the elements? Where did it come from? It's foreign to this world. It should not be happening in this environment. It's foreign to the element. It's distinguished. God wants us to be that rose. In a world that's like an Antarctic, where there's no life, nothing growing. But before we can be that rose, we need to behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Because the manner of the, His love that has been bestowed upon us is foreign to this world. Because it's not of this world. We're going to get to it. it. This love is of and from God. He's the source of love because he is, by definition, love. But we are to behold what manner of love this is. We're, we're going to get into it, but we need to know and believe this love, but we can't know and believe it until we first behold it. Where did it come from? Because God's love is not its source, it, it's not based on, and it's not influenced by anything in this world, just like a rose would not be influenced by anything in the Antarctic, this love, this manner of love that God has bestowed on us doesn't come from the Antarctic. It doesn't come from this world. It comes from God. And when we know and believe it, we, our love, we're going to get to it, will be perfected, and we will be that rose in the Antarctic. Am I making sense? I'm just trying to paint a picture and an analogy and shift, do a shift in our minds, even here in my introduction of where we're going. Okay? We want to act like we know God in this world. And we don't want to manipulate that. We don't want it to, we don't want to try to be like that because it's, it's, 
In other words, we're not trying to pretend. We're not trying to be religious. But we generally want to be that rose that grows from the inside out because we are abiding, we know and we believe and we're abiding and we're dwelling in God who is love. Okay? In other words, why are we the way we are? And it, the way that we are cannot be because of religion. It can't be because of, of rules and regulations. It can't be because of legalism. It can't be because of the law. We can only be the way we are if we are truly a, 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 a disciple, a child of God because of the love of God. The only reason we can be who we are if we are that rose, if we are that child of God is because of the love of God. Not based on religion or anything we can or can, cannot do. We are not the source of love. God is. And we can never know, and we can never believe, and we can never function in the love of God if we first don't behold and know His love for ourselves. That making sense so far? <coughs> this is all just kind of introduction of where I'm going. There are some nuggets I've been bringing out. But there's something that we need to behold. About what manner of love our Father has bestowed on us. Turn me real quick to Romans chapter 5. I want to make light of something and we're going to spend a little more time on this uh, perhaps next week. But in Romans 5 5, we're going to spend more time in the context, not just this verse later on. But in verse 5 5, it says, Paul writes, he says, Now hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been, not will be, not could be, not should be, but the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The King, of, King James uses the phrase that the, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Church, we need, I'm going to spend more time with this later, like I said, well, we need to behold what manner of love the Father has already bestowed among us. We need to behold what manner of love God has already shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Because that's how our hope is not disappointed. So many people come to us and say, you know, uh, they'll, they'll quote a verse from, I believe, I think it's from Proverbs, hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's only half the verse, really, if you read the verse. They stay there, and then they'll, they'll fight to be sick. <laughs> they'll fight to, be, to have a sick heart. And I'm not trying to belittle. I'm not trying to make fun of I'm not trying to uh, even get under a case. And I understand, naturally speaking, hope does, does make the heart sick. But the love of God, but now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out, shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We are not victims of hopelessness. We are the children of God. We have His love, and because we have His love shed abroad in our hearts, love, hope, does 
not disappoint. It's a blessed hope. It's a blessed hope. And I, you know, a lot of times when we talk about blessed hope, we, a lot of times we talk about God's return, and even some of the other scriptures I read about Jesus coming again. When we will be him like, because we will see him like he is. And there will become a day we will see him face to face, eye to eye. But John 17, 3 says eternal life is knowing him. And we can have a relationship with God knowing him where his blood is shed abroad in our hearts. And we can have that blessed hope. Because the source of the hope not being disappointed is his love being shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Notice too, that love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. In other words, we are not the source. We can't manipulate it. We can't manufacture it. We can't do anything to, to get it on our own. It's shed abroad in our hearts by God, by the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, I want to reflect God's nature. I want, in this world, which includes love, I want to reflect the heart of God in this earth. In this, I'm going to use an analogy I've already used, this Antarctica. Where it seems like it's, the world is cold. Jesus said, many hearts will wax cold with the things coming upon the earth. Have, have you ever experienced this world? It's cold. They're cold towards each other. They're cold sometimes even in families. And there's strife. And there's envy. And there's every evil work. Because their hearts are cold like in Antarctica. I wasn't playing, using this analogy throughout this message, but it's working. But it's time for us as the children of God to become a rose. To become a source of life. We are the light of the world. Amen. We are the salt of the earth. We are ahead and not, 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 not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We are blessed and not cursed. We are the children of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Am I making sense so far? I'm barely getting into what I want to get into this morning. Go ahead and turn back to me to 1 John. Turn with me to chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. John had a, a, a clear revelation on the love of God. So we're going to use a lot of his teachings here at the beginning to talk about love. You know, John is known as a disciple that Jesus loved. Five times it's written in Scripture that John is called a disciple that Jesus loved. And you know where you find those five times? In the book of John. John wrote that about himself. That he was a disciple that Jesus loved. And so he's become a, a beloved disciple. But he's the one that called himself that. And I don't have a problem with that. Because G John had a revelation that he is a disciple that Jesus loved. And you and I could write our own book. Our own epistle. Scripture says that we are living epistles. And we can write our own book that we are the disciple that Jesus loved. That's important. John got a very clear revelation. He's not being arrogant. He's not being selfish. But he knows and he believed God's love. And it was perfected. We're going to get into 
some of that. Okay. But first John chapter four. We're gonna pick it up verse seven right now. And this beloved disciple talks to us, writes to us, and his first word he says right here in this context we're gonna read, beloved. But you just love that. You are God's beloved. Paul writes about how we are accepted in the beloved. You are accepted in the beloved. How do I know that? What's my evidence? What's my substance? Based on the last series I just talked, the Word of God. The Word of God says that you are His beloved. You, in Christ, you are accepted in the beloved. But He says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. There's a lot here in these two verses, and I'm just going to let you know that throughout this series we're going to be talking about our love to one another interchangeably, because that's just a byproduct. And, and, why, and one of the reasons we can see it right here, John says, let us love one another, for love is where? Where's the source of love? Love is where? It's of God. Love is not of you. God, love is not if you feel like it. Love is not because they deserve it. Love is not from, it doesn't come from your parents, your, your spouse, your dog, or anything else. Love comes from God. Love is of God. That's a key point I'm going to be making throughout this whole series. Is that love is a, beloved, let us love one another. For love is not going to be, that should be, that might be, not that we pray it to be, but love is of God. And everyone, not some people, not, the, not just the elect, not just a, a chosen few, but everyone who loves is born of God. And knows God. He who, does, he who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Now, part of that verse and part of this passage can be a hard pill to swallow. And as Andrew Womack would say, you can either say amen or oh me. Okay? Sometimes you can say amen or you can say ouch. We're not here condemning people, we're not here putting people down. We are here magnifying God. We are here magnifying the Word of God. God, love is of God, and God is love. But if we are not loving one another, if we are not seeing the fruit of His Spirit, which is love, then that is a clear indication we are not abiding in God. And God is not abiding in us. I'm not necessarily saying we're not born again, but in the moment, we are we are abiding in ourselves. We are abiding in the flesh. If you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But sometimes our flesh lusts to be loveless. Sometimes our flesh lusts to just be to ourselves. Our withdrawal from other people in many different ways. But love is of God. Love is not of you. Love is not of this world. 
Love is not your personality. Love is not your emotions. Love is of God. Am I making sense? That's a major point. Because we need to know where the source of love is if we're going to be loving. If we're going to love one another. If we're going to love ourselves. If we're going to even love God. We need to know where the source of our love is. It's of God. When you think you are in love, or being loving, and it's not of God, you are deceived. If what you're doing and you think that you are loving or being loving or in love, but that love is not of God. You are deceived. Because love is of God. Okay? Now that's another point we'll, we'll bring out a little bit more later. Okay? But let's go to uh, verse 8 again. He who does not love does not know God, but God is love. The reason we don't love sometimes because we don't know God. Now again, that might be amen or me. Oh, I'm going I'm to build on this. I'm going I'm to bring some other scripture to bring this out. So stay, stick with me here. Okay? But we, we have to be honest about this. I didn't say it. The Word of God said it. It's the reason we are, don't love sometimes. We don't know God. Let me just make a statement here because and I'm going to get to it a little bit later. We're going to go to Ephesians 3 a little bit later. But there is a there is a knowing of God's love that surpasses knowledge. Intellectually, doctrinally, theologically, we might think we know God. But if we are not loving, if we're not loving ourselves, one another, and God, and even our enemies, we don't know God. There's a knowledge that surpasses knowledge that we have not attained yet. At least in that moment, in that season, we are not knowing God. Because God is of love. God doesn't waver. God doesn't vacillate. God never, he's the same yesterday, today, forever. God is love and he doesn't change. So, if we are not acting like God, and His nature is not flowing out of us, which is God, then we're deceived, and we don't know God. We must progress in our relationship with God. Because love is not of our natural senses. Love is not of our natural senses. It's not carnal. It's not natural. It's of God. God's the source. And we're talking about being established in our Father's love, we're talking about beholding what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. And God doesn't vacillate. God loves us because God is love. God loved us. We're going to get to this. But God loved us when we were a sinner. God loved us when we were an enemy of God. God loved us when we hated God. God loved us when we wanted nothing to do with God. God's love for us was not based on us. Our God's love for us was based on Him. Because He is love. Faith works by love. God is love. God, God is love, so that means God cannot not love. It's impossible. God is love. He's a source. He's a source. He's the essence of love. 
loving, unconditionally, without merit, without, I don't care what they've done to you. I don't care what has happened. God is love even when you were a sinner. There is no reason why you can't love one another, even those who persecute and despitefully use you and speak negative things about you. There's no reason why you can't love them because God is love. If you can't in that instance, in that situation, you don't know God. Am I making sense? I'm not getting down on people. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm trying to preach the gospel so we can be established in our Father's love. Verse, uh, let's go now, let's read verse 9. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us. That God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through who? Him. We're not living of ourselves. We're not loving one another of ourselves. Because it's not carnal. It's not natural. We, we've been crucified with Christ. We've died with Christ. We've been buried with Christ. And we have been raised together with Christ. We're in Christ. After this series, I'm going to do a whole series about in Christ realities. And who we are in Christ. But verse 10. In this is love. This is love. Not that we love God. But that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is love. John, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is telling us specifically what love is. Love is not us loving God. Love is us not loving others. <coughs> love is God loving us. And being our propitiation. That word propitiation can be a word that a lot of people don't know. It means that God is our sacrifice. He's our substitute. He is the worthy Lamb of God that was slain for us. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus took my sin. He gave me his righteousness. It's called the great exchange. Jesus became my sin. He became my propitiation. He became my substitute. So that the full wrath of God, the full judgment of God, was on Jesus instead of me. And Jesus crucified instead of me. Jesus died instead of me. Jesus was buried instead of me. So that I could be the righteousness of God in him. That is love. Jesus did that out of love. That whole, the whole cross, the whole finished work of the cross, in other words, is that is love. Amen? That is love. God didn't love us based on anything of our past. God didn't love us based on anything we did. God didn't love us by, based on anything we deserved. God didn't uh, <coughs> love us based on anything that we earned. 
And God didn't love us based on anything we even asked for. We didn't even ask for it. We didn't even know what to ask for. He did it while we were still sinners. God's love for us is not based on what we did. It's not, it has nothing to do with others. In other words, it has nothing to do with me. In that sense. But his love has everything to do with who he is. God is love. And it has to do with my relationship with God. That I behold the matter of love. Our Father has bestowed upon us. Go back with me real quick to verse 8. It says God is love. See, there's a, there's, there's a difference between God being love and God having love. If you have love, it can run out. You can lose it. But if you are love, if you are the source of love, then there's an endless supply. Does that make sense? He not, he, God doesn't just have love for you. He is love. And he's demonstrated that love to you. I mean, he is a source of love. Hopefully that's making sense. We're going to come back to 1 John 4, but turn me real quick to John 17. John 17, we're going to look at verse 26 for a moment here. Jesus is praying a prayer to his Father before he goes to the cross. And at the very end of this prayer, <coughs> Jesus makes this declaration. He says, And I have declared to them, who? The disciples, including you and me, your name. And we're declaring that the love which you love me may be in them. Jesus prayed before he went to the cross to demonstrate his love for us, to be the propitiation that we just talked about. He prayed that the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus says, in other words, the same love that God had for his son, the same love that Father God had towards Jesus, the Son. It doesn't vacillate. It does not fit. He doesn't fall in love. He doesn't fall out of love. But God has the same, the same love that God the Father had for Jesus. God has for you. Some people need to hear that. The same love that God has for Jesus. God has for you. Some of you need to hear that. We're going to look at this a little bit more next week. But love is talked. It's not caught. We're going to look at this a little more next week. Love is consistent. Because love is of God. He doesn't just have love. He's not just in love with you. God is love. Okay. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 4. Let's scroll down to verse 15. It says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, 
God abides in him and he in God. And we have, keep phrase right here, and we have known and believed the love of God has for us. God is love. There's that statement again. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. I'm going to toggle real quick, quick to the King James. And let me make some statements here, just from verse uh, 15 on. There's a couple of things here in verse 16. Let me read verse 16 again. And we have known and believed the love of God hath to, to us. And God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. If, I'm in, if, I'm, if I am not dwelling in love, I'm not dwelling in God. I want that to sink in. If I'm not dwelling in love, I'm not dwelling in God. You can't have it both ways. The last phrase of this verse says, He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. You can't dwell in God and not dwell in love. You can't dwell in love and not be dwelling in God. Because God is love. You can't separate the two. You just can't separate. They're one and the same. And so if you're not dwelling in God, if you're not being loving, you're not dwelling in God. In that moment, in that instance, you are not dwelling in God. That making sense? Love is the, love is a choice. And we're going to get into this. We can exercise it in any situation, in any circumstances, with any surroundings, and with any person. I don't care what they've done. I don't care who they are. Because love is not of you. Love is of God. Jesus has died for whole world, not just you. And if Jesus thought they were worth dying for, then they were worth forgiving. And we can't do that in the flesh. It's impossible with some people, some situations. Because some people have gone through some horrific horror, there's not even enough words to describe the horror of what they've gone through. But with madness is impossible. But with God, all See, it, I'm going to come back to some things here in verse 17. But it's a, well, first let me, read, let me just read this again, verse 16. And we have known and believed the love of God that hath towards us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. I want to stop right there. Herein is our love made perfect. Herein. Herein what? Herein knowing and believing the love God has for us, our love is made perfect. Behold what manner the love the Father has bestowed upon us. If we know and believe the love that God has towards us, our love towards God and towards one another will be perfect. Because I'm going to say, I'm going to come back to verse 18 later, but it goes on to say in verse 19, we love him because he what? First loved us. 
verse 18, and I'm going to spend more time on all this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear hath torment, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We need to be made perfect in love. And how do we need to be made perfect in love? <coughs> Excuse me. We need to know and believe the love of God has for us. That is the only way that your love can be perfect. And if your love is perfect, that love will cast out all fear. But if you have fear, you have not been made perfect in love. Let me deal with this fear for a moment. I know there's many different aspects of fear. But some people have a real genuine fear that God is going to reject them. Even what I'm preaching right now, because you are not loving towards others, your enemies and other people, you might even have a fear right now that God is rejecting you. That is not of God. Because if you know and believe how God has loved you, your love will be perfected, and that love will cast out all fear, including the fear that God will reject you. God accepted you based on nothing you did. God is not going to reject you based on something you did. That make sense? You can't have it both ways. The fact that God died for you, the fact that God loved you and died for you, not based on anything you ever did, but based on his love, God is not going to reject you based on something you did. Why? Because God is love. And the more we know and believe God's love for us, the more that we behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, we will have no fear that God will reject us. See, love is not based on fear. Love is of God. We've already talked about that. See, I don't know about you, but growing up, I've heard this before, and I even have this to a certain degree in my own heart. But I'm going to be. But this was a. This was the religious thought I had. I want you to hear me well. This religious thought I had or heard from other people is I'm going to be nice to you because I don't want to go to hell. What's wrong with that picture? I'm going to be nice to you, so I don't go to hell. I've heard that. I've, I've even thought that myself. But that is the most phoniest, selfish statement I could ever hear. I'm going to be nice to you so I don't go to hell. That is not a reason to be nice to you. That is not a reason to treat you right so I don't go to hell. Because that is very self-centered. That is very self-focused. And that is based on nothing but pride. See, some things are taught in the churches today, they're done in the name of God and the Word of God, the Bible, that have not that have nothing to do but self-centeredness. I don't want to treat you right so I don't go to hell. I want to treat you right because in Christ, that is my nature. I want to treat you right because my Father treated me right. And I want to be like my dad. I want to treat you right. Because he treated me right. And he treated you right. I want to treat you right. Because I love you. Not because I just love myself. 
Am I making sense? I'm trying to make a major point here that some people are going to get wrapped up. But perfect love will cast out fear. And I can only have perfect love if I know and believe, if I'm being established in my Father's love. In other words, I don't want to love you for me. I don't want to love you because of fear of God casting me out. I don't want to love you the fear of negative judgment from God or anyone else. Now, don't misunderstand me. If, if I fear and rebel against God, I need a good dose of the fear of the Lord. I'm not, I'm talking about discipline, which is a, not a whole other realm of discipline. We'll probably look into a little bit more detail later. But I'm not talking about God, the, the wrath of God or the curse of God. Now God condemning me. Why? Because God's already poured out his wrath on Jesus, my propitiation. God has already cursed Jesus so that I can be the righteousness of God. God has already condemned Jesus as my propitiation. God is not going to condemn me. His perfect love will cast that fear out. But if I'm rebellious, my Father will chastise. Not punish me. Not condemn me. God will chastise me because I'm his child. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be the children of God. We are his children. And my God, my daddy, will spank me if I need spanking. He's not doing it out of wrath. He's not doing it out of uh, anger. He's doing it out of love. He's not punishing me. He's not tormenting me with fear. Because that's not of God. He's not condemning me. That God did not give me a spirit of a fear, of a power, of love, and a sound mind. Am I making sense? We're going to deal with that a little bit later. But perfect love will cast out all fear. And we're going to deal with that more as we go forward. But how do we learn of God's love? How do we learn of God's love? We need to know and believe God's love to be perfected, but how do we know it? How do we get to know God's love? How do we get become established in God's love? How do we even know it? There's, I think there's three main areas where we know, know God's love. First of all, through the scriptures, the word of God, Second of all, by the Holy Spirit. We've already touched on that a little bit. Both of those, actually. And, and all of this together. The third one is our relationship with God. You cannot get to know God's love if you don't have a relationship with Him. His Word and a relationship with His Spirit. Am I making sense so far? Let's go back to verse 16 here. And we have known and believed the love of, that, that God has to us. And God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. You know, again, I'm, I'm going to be emphasizing this over and over and over again. That we need to know and believe the love of God. For herein is our love made perfect. That we might have boldness in the day of judgment. Why do we have boldness in the day of judgment? Because we know his love. What's his love? Not that I loved him, but that he loved me and became my propitiation. If Jesus became my propitiation, and that is love, 
then I can have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Because Jesus, my propitiation, has already been judged for me. <coughs> because as he is, so am I in this world. I'm hoping you get that. See, as we know and believe God's love, we're made perfect. In other words, as we know and believe God's love, we are going to mature. My last series was talking about maturity. We are going to mature. We are going to be perfect. <coughs> perfect as we know and believe God's love for us. See, if we still think that God is going to judge us, I'm sorry if my uh, podium is in the way here, but if we're, and I need you to see all of this, if we're still worried that God's going to judge us, then we have not known and believed God's love for us. Because God's love is Him being our propitiation. God's already judged us in Jesus, our propitiation. So if we're still, if we're not established, if we don't know and believe, we might know it doctrinally, but we don't believe it. We might believe it, but we don't know him. We don't have a relationship with him. Um, I usually see the, the, the first more than the latter, what I just said. But we need to know and believe that he is our propitiation. We need to know and believe his love. So that we can be made perfect and have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so we as well. Hopefully I'm making sense with everything I'm trying to communicate this morning. In other words, I'm also trying to make a, a point here with everything I'm trying to say so far. That I can't love you beyond what I already have. If I haven't known and believed God's love for me, I can't give you what I don't have. I can't love you that I can't love others that way. I can't love my wife that way. I can't. You can't love your kids that way. Your your, your parents, your your friends, the body of Christ. You can't give what you don't got. You need to know and believe God's love for you, because love is of God. It's not of me. I can't give you something I don't have. It's not of me. I don't have it. I'm not the source of it. But in Christ, I have all things. You know, the communication of my faith becomes effective as I acknowledge every good thing that's in me in Christ Jesus. And in me, in Christ Jesus, is love. But I need to know that. I need to believe what I know. There's a knowing that surpasses knowledge. We're going to get there. But I need to believe it. Just because I know it doctrinally, theologically, biblically, I need to know it here. I need to believe it, that God loves me. And until I believe it here, I cannot love you. And if, I am, if I'm not loving you the way I should, the way God loves you, then something is wrong with my number, and something is wrong with my believing. Because my love has not been made perfect. Does that make sense? And perhaps, it's just in the moment, perhaps in the moment we got our eyes off his love. And we got our eyes on the flesh. How do we fix that? We get back into knowing his love. But we can now love you. And if there's been a wrong done, we can fix that. 
But people who are not willing to fix problems don't know and don't believe God's love for them. I can't love you beyond what I, I have, what I haven't loved. We need to behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed. We can't be that rose in Antarctica if we're not the rose, and we don't even know uh, His love for ourselves. I can't give you what I don't have. You have to get love from God before you can give it to others. That makes sense? I mean, everything that we're reading here in John, we love one another because He first loved us. And I'm paraphrasing some scriptures to get verses here together, but uh, don't get dizzy as I, I scroll, because He says here in verse 7, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. So if we're not loving, we don't know. We don't know and believe His love for us. But he that loveth not, knoweth not God. Okay? Once you understand God's love for you, God's love is perfected towards your spouse, towards your kids, towards your family, towards your friends, and even towards God's love is perfected. Because herein, herein knowing and believing God's love for you is love perfected. We are getting into the Word of God to know God. We are getting into the Word of God to see God. We are getting into the Word of God to behold the manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. See, when we get this revelation of trying to a picture of. We don't try to love one another because our love has been made and it's perfect. It's kind of a reminder of Star Wars and Yoda. There's no try. There's do. And we're not doing it in our own strength. See, God doesn't have to try to love you. God loves you because that love is of God. Our love is perfected in knowing and receiving His love, so we don't have to try to love one another. We just do. Am I making sense? See, the joy of Christianity is to receive from my Father, not to just hoard it to myself. I'm not just receiving God's love and hoard it for myself. That's selfish. That is completely selfish. See, but receiving from my Father, by the Holy Spirit, because His love has been shed abroad, in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, Romans 5, 5, I now have it to give. It's just flowing. I don't try, it just flows. Because it's shed abroad in my hearts. And it's a joy to love you the way you need to be loved. It's a joy to help you in a way that you need to be helped. But I can't give to you, I can't love you, I can't help you without knowing God, without dwelling in Him. I can't do it on my own, because I don't have it on my own. It doesn't exist there. The flower, the rose, doesn't exist in our Antarctica on its own. It can only be there if God made it to happen. I need to sow from the Spirit, not my flesh. See, going back to the phrase, uh, before I get there, the last thing I just said, 
We need to behold what manner of love. Remember the, the definition of what manner of love is foreign. It's not of this country. I can't give you what I don't have because it's not of the natural senses. It's not of the flesh. It doesn't exist in the flesh. Its source is not in the flesh. It's not carnal. It's not natural. It's of God. And until I know and believe God, I can't give it. I can't manufacture something I don't have. But if I do know and I do believe and I am dwelling with God, whom God is love, it will flow like a supernatural spring. I want to say natural, but it's not natural. It's supernatural. And we are supernatural. We're born again. That makes sense? So, this goes to what I just said a minute ago. I need to sow from the Spirit. Because by the Spirit, His love has been shed abroad in my heart. It's the Spirit. It's, it's spiritual. But I'm not sowing to the flesh. Because he who sows to the flesh will reap corruption. And he who sows from the Spirit will reap everlasting life. I believe that's Galatians 6.8. At least in that neighborhood. Now go with me in one more passage of scripture, and I only have a few more minutes, but I want to touch on something real quick, hopefully before we close. Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to switch gears a little bit from based on everything I've just been talking about. And we'll spend some more time here in uh, future, future uh, sessions. But Ephesians 3, uh, I'll pick it up verse 14. This is a prayer of Paul's. He says, for this cause, and I want to actually toggle back to the New King James. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who? The Father. Which means establishing a Father's love. From who the whole family in heaven and earth is named. How many know we're a family? No disrespect to your natural family, and some people are all about family. And I get that, I embrace that. But the way I see it is that we are a family. And we have a father. And I treat this family, the family of God, the same way I treat my natural family. I can't get that out of order. That just might just be me. But I see it as a family. That's not my message this morning, so I'm going to move forward. Verse 16. That he, God, would grant you according to the riches of his glory, that he might strengthen with might through his what? Spirit. Where? In the inner man. His blood is shed abroad in our hearts by the Spirit. Where? In our inner man. That Christ may dwell. We talk about dwelling in 1 John 4. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Faith works by love. That you being rooted and grounded in love. We're talking about being established in our Father's love. I'm going to spend more time with some of this. I'm telling this I'm going through a little bit fast because I want to get to the main point for this morning. And may be able to comprehend with the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, the full dimension of God's love. Okay? I'm making sense so far. I'm going to spend more time with it in the future. But for now, verse 19. To know the love of Christ which passes or surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Okay? Now I want to back up here for a moment, just verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. Now, if I would have asked most Christians, 
And if I were to ask most of you this question, do you know God loves you? Most of you would probably answer yes. And that would be the right answer for most of you. You do know God loves you. Most of us who are listening to this or even taking time to listen to it on a Facebook Live or anything, you know that God loves you. You know it doctrinally, you know it theologically, you know it biblically, you know that God loves you. But if you know that God loves you, if that were true, then according to verse 19, and when we know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, you may be filled with the very fullness of God. In other words, if we truly knew that God loves us, and we know that knowing that surpasses even knowing it, doctrinally, theologically, mentally, practically, then, or intellectually, then verse 19 says that if we know his love, it would have a very profound effect on our lives. Even going to verse 20, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his power, his love, that is at work in us. See, I try not to go too fast with this, but I want to get a point out before we close this morning. Many of us are seeing or know God's love to a measure. And some of us are different measures of knowing and believing God's love. But the key to this love being perfected in our lives, the key to being rooted and grounding His love, the key to Knowing his love that surpasses intellectual knowledge is knowing. Knowing that we know that we know God loves us. See, let me put me on the spot. I know God loves me. But I know there's times, even now, I don't know it to the measure I'm going to know. Or need to know it. I should know it. I see some of God in all my life. I see more of God in my life today than I did a few years ago. I mean, I was not always demonstrating near the measure God has destined for my life, and that I, I see God doing in my life today. I know that I wasn't always loving people. Near the measure as I'm expressing it today. And I'm not here today where I want to be. But how did it increase in my life? By knowing and believing my Father's love for me. Just even when we went to Karen's Bible college and we were sitting under the Word of God and getting to know our God better. Four days a week, three or four hours a day, almost 16 hours a week, we were sitting under the Word of God. God's nature. God's love, as we begin to know it and believe it, began to change our lives. Every area of our lives. Including our love towards Him, ourselves, and towards others. These things that have even happened to us have been horrible. And we wouldn't be where we are today if it wasn't for us knowing and believing God's love for us. As I come to know His love, he says, I will be filled with the fullness of God. 
want to make a point here, just real quick, and we're going to spend more time on this. And actually, let me just toggle real quick to the, to the King James, because the way it says it, verse 19. And to know the love of Christ, which passes or surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And I'm hoping I can make this point. We need to know God intellectually. We need to know God doctrinally. We need to know God biblically. We need to know God theologically. We need to know that. There's a purpose in that. And we can spend a lot of time on this and, and read rightfully so. But I'm hoping to make a point. There is a knowing of God's love that even surpasses knowledge. There's a knowing that surpasses knowing. There's actually two Greek words being used here for knowing. The, the, the second one is actually gnosko. I don't know if I'm always pronouncing that right. But it's gnosko. But the, the first one is also is the Greek word epigenosko. There's an epic to it. Whatever that epic means, there's more to this gnosko. Okay? And <clears throat> this epigenosko speaks of intimacy. It speaks of an experiential knowledge. It, 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 it's one, the other one is more just an intellectual. But it's epignosko. It's the same word that's being used in the sense that when Mary says, I have not known a man. <clears throat> but there is a spiritual intimacy. There's a, there's a relationship. I know my wife more than any of you listening. I just know her. A lot of you know of her. Some of you even know her more than some others that are listening because of your friendship and relationship with her. But I know her more. And there's a knowing that I know of her that surpasses any of your knowledge of her. That makes sense? I'm just using this as an illustration. Praise God for what we know of God's love. But there's a knowing that's, there's a knowing and believing of God's love that not will only perfect us but there's a knowing that surpasses our intellectual, doctrinal, biblical knowledge that we can only experience. We can't teach it. We, we, we can't teach it. We're going to teach it. But it's not, it's not something that you just fall into love and fall out of love. You don't catch it like you do a virus. You don't catch it through osmosis. You don't catch it if you move right to the right words. But you can only know this kind of love. By spending time and getting to know them. And getting the revelation with them. Let me just ask this question. Do you want to be more like Christ? Do you want to live more like Christ in every area of your life? But specifically we're talking about love. Do you want to be more loving? Towards your, your, your spouse, towards your kids, towards your family, towards the church, towards the world, in the workplace, and things in this world. Do you want to be that rose in Antarctica? Do you want to live more like Christ? They get to know God's love for you. Know and believe His love, and your love will become perfected. Quit thinking. I know it. We don't have yet, I don't believe, to the full capacity. There's this knowledge, this knowledge of God's love that surpasses knowledge. If we did, our love would be perfected. 
and we would experience the fullness of God. We have His fullness. There's other scriptures that can bring out. We have received His fullness. God is, we have the fullness of God in us. But we need to know His love that surpasses knowledge. Because if we knew God's love that surpasses knowledge, we would do this. We would know that He, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to His power that works in us. We would see things happen. See, many people tell me, and I've even done it myself, I know it. I know that God loves me. But they know it in their head. But we need to know it in our heart of hearts. We need to be so established and believe, knowing and believing God's love that our love can be perfected. So rooted and grounded and established in His love. That surpasses intellectual knowledge of about his love. But if you know his love and surpasses knowledge, you will, because how many of you know perfect love casts out fear? I'm hoping you're hearing this this morning because, in a sense, it is hard of my message, at least for today. I'm going to bring out other aspects as we go forward. But if you know and believe God's love for you that surpasses knowledge, it will cast out all fear, including the fear that God will take care of you. Whatever you're praying for, finances, your family, health, fear says, I'm going to die. Fear says, I'm not going to have enough. Fear says, I'm going to struggle. Fear, but love says, my God, my daddy, my Abba will take care of me. And if you know and believe God's love for you, you it will cast out all fear that comes in many shapes, sizes, and expressions. It says, oh, we're not going to make it. We can't do this. But oh, when you know and believe God's love, you are filled in the fullness of God. And He is more than able to do exceedingly above and beyond than you could ever think or imagine according to His power, His love that is at work in you. He loves you. He died for you. He is for you. He's not against you. Turn with me real quick to Romans chapter 8. Hopefully I'm making sense. You're getting something out of this this morning. But Romans 8, 31. What shall we say then? Whose days? If God be for us, who can be against us? For he that spared not his own son, our propitiation, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Hearing his love, not that we love him, but that he loved us and became our propitiation. He died for you. And he who died for you, how will he not give you all things? And any thought, I don't care where it's coming from, that says, my God won't supply your needs, won't meet you, won't take care of you. That he'll take care more of the lilies of the field and the birds of the air more than he will care for you. 
down the thought from the pit of hell. My God will take care of you. He loves you. He's always loved you. And he, he became your propitiation, which is the definition of love. How will he not give you all things? You are his child. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. We are children. And when we know and believe God's love, we will be perfected. When we're rooted and grounded and established in the height, the depth, the length, and the width, the fullness of God's love, we know his love that surpasses intellectual knowledge. We're filled with the fullness of God, and he is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask from that. Am I making sense? With this, his love will cast out all fear. The love of God brings his presence. His fullness into your life in an experiential way. <coughs> Let me say that again, but in a different way. The love of God brings His fullness, His presence in, such, in your life in such a way that you don't just know it intellectually, but you can experience it. That makes sense? Some of you, most of you, know God intellectually. But I want, my heart is that you experience His love. That's love that surpasses knowledge. When you don't know His love, when you don't believe His love, you quench His fullness. You quench His presence. You might know it intellectually, you might know it doctrinally, you might know it biblically, you might know it theologically. But are you rooted and grounded in it? Are you established in your Father's love? Does your knowing surpass knowledge? Grow in His love. Grow in your relationship with Him. And you will see more of His fullness in your life. Your love will become perfected. His love will cast out all fear. You know what the word all in Greek means? All. <coughs> it doesn't leave anything out. His love will cast out all fear. His fullness will help us in every area of our lives. His fullness will help us get things done Versus, versus fighting and fussing with one another. <coughs> Have you noticed that sometimes in the church? Sometimes in families? We spend more time fighting than fussing with one another. And in that process, we get nothing done. But instead of fussing and fighting one another, I want his fullness so that we together, as a body of Christ, a family of God, and even individual families, can get some things done. There is a knowing of God's love that surpasses knowledge. It perfects our love. And it casts all fear out. You don't acquire it through your senses. You only acquire it by beholding what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God.
It is only revealed by knowing the scriptures. It is only revealed by the Holy Spirit. And it's only revealed by knowing God on a personal basis. Am I making sense this morning? I know I've said a lot of different things. I've been very repetitive, hopefully, on purpose. We're going to spend more time on this. We'll take this to some more depths next week and the future weeks to come. Lord, we worship you. And we just thank you for your love. For teach us afresh how to behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Teach us afresh to know your love that surpasses knowledge. Teach us afresh to dwell in you and you in us, that we might dwell in your love. Teach us afresh that we might know your love, your propitiation. We might know and believe you, your love, that we can be perfected in our love toward one another, including ourselves. For some of us are horrible in ourselves. That needs to change. Lord, teach us afresh how to be established in our Father's love. We worship you, we magnify you, and we just thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. We'll see you tonight, hopefully at 6 o'clock. God bless you.